1: head over to my website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. So today we're going to talk about surrogacy, which intriguingly has a higher hit rate on Google search than actually infertility. There are obviously lots of people out there interested in surrogacy. People who've tried to get pregnant and have been unsuccessful, who see the way forward potentially as using somebody else to carry the baby. So what is surrogacy? Well, as I just said, it's having someone who's prepared to carry a child for another couple or person, and then give it up at the end of the pregnancy so that couple can have a baby. Surrogacies come in for a degree of controversy for a variety of reasons. Some people regard surrogacy as immoral, unethical, because it's not natural. I think they're now in the minority. It's also been controversial because there have been cases in the United States where having gone through a pregnancy a surrogate has decided that they want to keep the baby. And so there have been major lawsuits between what is called the commissioning couple and the surrogate. So when we go into surrogacy, one of the most important things is to minimise that risk, the risk of the surrogate wanting to keep the child. Because certainly in British and Australian law, the woman that births the child the woman who goes through pregnancy and then delivers the baby, is legally the mother. And in most places around the world, a process of adoption then needs to follow. So how do we minimize that risk? Well, in Australia, surrogate arrangements which involve IVF units require ethics approval. Each clinic has its own ethics committee and reviews each case on a case-by-case basis. As part of that review, they wish to see that both parties, both the commissioning couple and the surrogate themselves, have received independent legal advice and contractual arrangements have been put in place. The second safeguard is that the surrogate generally needs to be someone that the commissioning couple have known for some time and therefore have established a relationship makes it unlikely that the surrogate is going to want to keep the child. Thirdly, in Australia, it's fairly well accepted that the genetics of the baby will be different to that of the mother who's carrying the child, the surrogate. So, how do we do that? That really means that the egg and the sperm must come from a source that isn't in any way related. To the surrogate, so genetically the baby is not hers. And that's usually enough to convince a surrogate that it's not her genetic child. In Australia, we do something in the order of 200 to 300 surrogate cases a year. It's increasing in number, and there are organisations that recruit surrogates, there are organisations that help couples who need surrogacy to find a surrogate. But there's also surrogacy overseas which is far less regulated and certainly in some Asian countries there have been accusations of misuse of women almost as cattle having to carry a child to make the money to survive. But most countries now have closed that door. India was recently closed its doors on surrogacy from overseas couples. Thailand has as well. So surrogacy is much more difficult to arrange now in foreign countries. Some of the Eastern Bloc countries, it's still accepted, but it is under reasonably good control. So who should have surrogacy? The classic examples are women who don't have a uterus. So these are women, perhaps, who were born without a uterus, but who have ovaries that can produce eggs, but there is no uterus to carry a baby. That, that's one of the common reasons to be going down the track of surrogacy. So, in that situation, we can harvest the eggs, put them with the partner's sperm, create the embryo, and put that embryo into a third party, the surrogate. So, that's congenital abnormality, absence of the uterus. The next group are women who have lost their uterus, usually because of cancer. So these are young women who have developed a cancer of the uterus that needs the uterus to be removed, perhaps with the conservation of the ovaries if it hasn't spread anywhere. And again, we can take that patient through ovarian stimulation, collect eggs and create embryos to give to a surrogate. The third group, and we're now moving into the greyer areas, but there are women who have had Recurrent miscarriages, six, seven, eight, nine, ten miscarriages, who it's felt the uterus is the cause of those miscarriages. They've got scar tissue in the uterus or an abnormally shaped uterus. And time and time again they failed, and certainly our ethics committee at IVF Australia would accept a surrogate arrangement in that scenario. Similarly, patients who have been through multiple IVF cycles, particularly these days where we've genetically tested the embryos and put them back and they are genetically normal and they're still not getting pregnant. So recurrent implantation failure, exactly how many times you have to do it to prove that that's the problem is somewhat debatable. Our own ethics committee would probably want that to have happened at least five times before accepting that a surrogacy arrangement was appropriate. They really are the ones that our ethics committee is happy to deal with. You can, however, by going overseas, either US or to Eastern Europe, have a situation where a surrogate carries a baby because the woman doesn't want to carry it herself. Now, there's significant controversy about whether that's appropriate or not. But you can imagine a high-flying businesswoman who doesn't want months off work with a pregnancy, who might say that. There's also been alleged that there have been film stars who don't want to damage their body image by carrying a baby and have had a surrogate carry the child for them. So in Australia, those would not get through an ethics committee. There is also perhaps the darker side, where surrogacy arrangements have been in place for probably thousands of years where a woman can't have a baby and so the husband's sperm is used to inseminate another woman who uses her eggs and at the end of that pregnancy she gives the baby over. That probably still occurs in some cultures and uh, indeed could occur in Australia, but it is risky, particularly if not organised through a appropriate service, which includes the issues around legality and ultimately the adoption process uh, that is required afterwards. So surrogacy is an increasing service that IVF clinics are seeing and being involved in. Difficulty in finding a surrogate has continued, although it would seem for the demand in Australia, there are surrogates recruitable. One of the things that has been a little bit of a barrier in Australia has been that it is illegal to undertake commercial surrogacy. What does that mean? It means that we can't formally pay a a surrogate to carry a child. What is written is that reasonable expenses are acceptable, but in law we've never actually determined what that is. So that would take into account things like the expenses of being pregnant and a mother, the visits to clinics, the time off work, those sort of issues, and figures in the order of $25,000 have been bandied around as being reasonable expenses. I believe that if it was more formalised, and we said, here's $25,000, there would be women who would come forward to help their fellow woman, knowing that they weren't going to be out of pocket. But that's the future. And don't forget